Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you haven't caught up on all the films and actors nominated for the upcoming Academy Awards, there's still some time left. There are also a number of films that are not in the Oscars lineup with Native talent and storylines that you might want to put on your watch list. They're making their way around festivals and picking up accolades of their own. We have our eyes on all of them, and we'll get some perspective coming up right after the news. National Native News, I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The chairman of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe says racism and discrimination against Native people by businesses in Rapid City, South Dakota will not be tolerated. Chairman Harold Fraser's comments follow social media posts made over the weekend by an owner of the Grand Gateway Hotel saying they'll ban Native American guests after a shooting at the property, which injured a teenager. The Rapid City Journal reports the social media comment said, we will no longer allow any Native American on property, and ranchers and travelers will receive a very special rate. In a statement, Fraser condemned the comments and is demanding an apology to the Lakota, Dakota, and Nakota people. The city's mayor, Steve Allender, is also speaking out, saying the hotel does not reflect the community's values. The hotel did not respond to the journal for comment. Kelp forests in Puget Sound play a role environmentally and culturally, but they're in decline, as Eric Tigodoff reports. There are more than 20 species of kelp in the region that are a vital source of food and habitat for marine animals. They also are important to indigenous people of the region. Todd Woodard, Natural Resources Director for the Samish Indian Nation, says tribal members have used kelp fronds as wraps to cook salmon and kelp bulbs to carry oil for heat and light and as rattles for young children. It's a critical part of cultural identity to the Coast Salish people here. It's a critical part of the sense of place that indigenous populations have. And indigenous people, both on the First Nations and the tribe side, are working very hard to try and figure out what's happening and what can be done to mitigate for it. Last summer, Puget Sound Restoration Fund brought together 200 people for an eight-day scientific exploration of kelp. It's part of an effort to implement the 2020 Puget Sound Kelp Conservation and Recovery Plan. The team is releasing videos of its expedition to raise awareness about kelp's decline. Betsy Peabody is executive director of the Puget Sound Restoration Fund. She says kelp is vital to the food web, which means they support iconic northwest species such as salmon and orca. Peabody notes humans rely on Puget Sound's food web as well, and so the decline of kelp forests has a direct impact on people. We're just wanting to work with others to really connect those dots in the way that we need to in order to support the conservation and restoration at a scale that can help protect these essential, iconic marine systems. I'm Eric Tegadoff. Joy Harjo says she's leaving the door open for other Indigenous artists reflecting on her time as U.S. Poet Laureate. Harjo Muskogee Creek is the first Native American poet to serve in the position. She talked about breaking stereotypes during a virtual Mellon Foundation event on Monday. When I get to the end of my life, I want Native people to be seen as human beings. And I think that's been the best, one of the best things about the Poet Laureate position because it's gone a long way for people to see that, oh, yeah, there are poets. 
Harjo says poetry is crucial, especially during times like the pandemic. We were losing, we lost our major culture bearers in our tribal nation, and that was true all over. But people, you know, in these, in these kinds of times, we go to poetry. There is such a need for what poetry does and what poetry gives us as human beings. That's why I think this particular, this laureateship has been noticeable is because of that. It's because it's been, you know, it's not really about me. It's really about the times we're in and the, and the need and how poetry has said, okay, I'm here and I've always been here. Arjo was appointed Poet Laureate to the Library of Congress in 2019 and was reappointed in 2020. This is her third term in the role, which she's concluding. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Support by the Center for Indigenous Cancer Research at Roswell Park Comprehensive Cancer Center, dedicated to cancer research, medicine, and cancer care for indigenous population. A no-charge online risk assessment tool is available at roswellpark.org slash assessme. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you're hoping for Native representation at the Oscars this Sunday, you will mostly be disappointed. But that doesn't mean there's not a lot of talk about Native films and TV shows from the past year, and a few that could be nominated for an Academy Award next year. The good news is Native film talent are showing up in big-name festivals like Sundance and South by Southwest, gaining praise from audiences and critics alike. What's on your film watch list? Are there dramas or documentaries that have your attention? What about the Academy Awards? Are there films from this past year that spoke to you? Movie buffs, film fans, and popcorn junkies, this show is for you. Give us a call and share your critiques of this year's Oscar nominees. The number 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. Vincent Schilling is an author and editor of Native Viewpoint. He's Akwesasne Mohawk, and he's speaking with us today from Virginia Beach. Vince, welcome back to the show. Always a pleasure to have you on Native America Calling. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I, I'm, I'm excited. Cool discussion. Absolutely. Also on the show today is Charlie Perry. He is a filmmaker and journalist. He's Prairie Band Potawatomi and Salish Kootenai, and he's joining us from Los Angeles. Charlie, a warm welcome back to NAC as well. Pleasure having you. Thanks, Sean. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Vince, Oscar fever. Are you feeling it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? What's wrong? Although, although, hey, hey, although I have to say, you know, Jace Momoa, you know, is is in Dune, so there's a little bit of a connection there. And there is a little bit of the indig indigeneity with Encanto, so, you know, uh, 
Oscars is, has been a disappointment for a long, long time for me, as a especially as a native uh, film critic and et cetera. But you know, I, I used to be really into it, but I get I get more and more frustrated each time. To be completely honest with you, I hear you. I hear you, Charlie. How about you? Is there a lot of buzz there in L.A.? Oh, you know, Sean, there's always a lot of buzz around the Oscars and everybody walking the red carpet out here in L.A. And, you know, I just got to agree with Vince, though. It's, you know, it's tough, unfortunately, to see kind of a lack of indigenous representation again at the Oscars. So, you know, we're hoping to get that change in here in 2023, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. And we definitely want to talk about that on the show. And Vince, as mentioned, uh, no Native films or talent being recognized, unfortunately, at this year's Oscars. But the South by Southwest Film Festival just wrapped up this weekend in Austin. You reviewed three Native films that were showcased. Tell us more. There was some beautiful stuff. Uh, um, and, and a really nice thing, I have to, I have to give uh, South by Southwest a, a bit of kudos here. They reached out to me and said, hey, Vince, are you covering this year? And I was like, wow. And last year, I, I just to be honest, I blasted them a little bit for their lack of indigeneity, and they they kind of stepped up a little bit this year, in inviting uh, you know Secretary Deb Holland, who who spoke at a, you know a segment called Auntie Deb, you know, talking about diversity. But uh, they did a nice job. So the the really really wonderful films that I reviewed this year at South by Southwest were. Uh, the Unknown Country uh, with Lily Gladstone, Big Water Summer, and Long Line of Ladies. Uh, just really, really wonderful films. We're really just uh, in my career uh, writing reviews, uh, you know, and I post many of my reviews to Rotten Tomatoes because I'm a Rotten Tomatoes critic. First time I've ever done a, a story with three films in it that I gave all three of them perfect tens. I usually try to be pretty strict, but they were just really, really wonderful. So. Uh, big hats off to the Unknown Country, uh, Long Line of Ladies, and, you know, Big Water Summer. They're just really, really wonderful films. Well, that's fantastic. All tens, perfect scores. And I know at least one of those films, I think it's Long Line of Ladies, also premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. Um, where else might these films get screened? Well, you know, they, that's, the, that's the one thing that, that's kind of tough when, um, you know, you're talking about stuff that premieres at festivals, you know, Sundance or perhaps, uh, you know, South by Southwest, because what what usually happens is is when they're at film festivals, these these film filmmakers are seeking distribution. They're seeking to get into theaters. They're seeking to go outside of just their communities, and they're very glad to, to premiere and show at their communities, but they also need a little boost up. So here's something that we as Indian country can do is when you see these films, you know, tweet them out and say, hey, this was a wonderful film, or hey, let's support these filmmakers, or hey, let's support these efforts so that, that uh, you know, distribution companies who may be interested might see them and say, okay, well, look, it's getting a little bit of play here in, in, in um, you know, on social media. So maybe this is worth our while to, to help distribute this. So one thing you can do is look up their social media accounts and, and support them in any way you can and say, hey, this sounds wonderful, or hey, let's push this out, let's support them. So this is something that we can all do. You know, it's not, it's not always in everyone else's hands, it's in our hands. And real quickly, good job on the coast to coast here, considering, you know, I'm in Virginia Beach and our man is in Los Angeles. So you, you did a good job today. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to thank our producers for that. They bring in all the great guests. Uh, so, 
Shandine Tom, she's Danae, and uh, she worked with an Oscar winner on this film, Long Line of Ladies. What else do you know about her? Well, I, I just know that they, they came together. Yes, it was uh, Reka uh, Zatabchi, you know, and uh, to, to... Who's Iranian, right? See, yes, yes, and to see them come together and to create something that was, was genuinely magical. And it's, what's really nice about this film is it is a discussion and kind of a a portrayal of a young native girl in her community uh, that prepare her for what's called ichuk, the and they call it a once dormant coming of age ceremony of the Karuk tribe of Northern California, and it is about um, this this young woman's coming of age and some of the most beautiful moments in this is the fact that the father uh, is talking about well. My, my daughter is having her period, and, you know, uh, I have to help her, and she's now becoming a woman. So i, I got to help her out. So he, he like, he's talking to, the, like, the guys at work, you know, and you think of all this macho energy that usually you see in the world. And he's, he's talking to, like, look, my daughter is the most important thing to me. She needs my help. And everyone around him is like, wow, we're really impressed by, by your um, regard for this and, and, and you know, attention to, to your daughter and just – I just have to say it is just an absolutely incredible film. It's just a beautiful, beautiful film. Really, it's wonderful. Now, having a Native director, uh, did that bring something special to this documentary? I think so, because um, a lot of times what will happen in in what I've seen as a Native film critic and and, uh, just from my, my personal experience and, and, and with talking with directors and with talking with, with you know filmmakers or actors who are uh, indigenous cultures that the actors themselves are not the only characters within the film. There is also the character of tra- native tradition. There's also the character of animals. There's also the character of, of emotions and feelings. They become just as much of an intrinsic part of the film as do the actors themselves. And I think mm. this is why the beauty of Native storytelling is, is such a tremendous, tremendous aspect of what should be in filmmaking now, because so many times things are left out. You know, the closest we get to it is what, David Hasselhoff's kit, the, the car who's the character. But so many <laughs> times we, we, we now are looking at Native films and Native storytelling and seeing, wow, there's so much here and people can't put their finger on it. But I'm telling you, in my experience, at least that's what I feel is what's part of what has been missing for so long, is that these yeah. elements are also characters. The, the depth and the multi-dimensional stories and plots, for sure. Uh, Vince, unknown country. Uh, Lily Gladstone grew up there in Browning, Montana. Uh, it's like a classic road trip story, right? What what does she bring to this story? I mean, she's taken off her career. Yeah, I, I was really, really impressed with The Unknown Country with Lily Gladstone. And, and you know, I had the, the pleasure, and I'm, I'm going to be posting the article uh, later later today or tomorrow. I actually got to interview her during uh, uh, her, you know, when she went to South by Southwest, and I got a moment to talk with her, and she told me about it. But it's the, the story, The Unknown Country, is, is and I don't want to give too much away, but I can give some sentiments of it, is, is – uh, a young native woman who's kind of estranged from her family um, by the name of Tana. She she 
he gets an invitation to reunite with her estranged Oglala Lakota family, and she's driving through the Texas slash Mexico border, and there's literally snowy lands and things like that. She stops off in motels and adventures off to talk about other people. And as much as it's a journey, it's there is also a part of me as a Native man that really experienced some post-traumatic stress of my you know journey in talking about MMIW reporting on stories because I found myself at times during this movie, this woman is alone. She's a Native woman alone, and she's in danger. And like, oh my God, is this going to be something, you know, terrible? So there's some terrifying moments in this film that talking to Lily um, and and Lainey, one of the actor actresses in the film, they were like, yeah, we're we're so glad you caught that moment because this really is an element of this film. So she meets with her family. She talks with an elder, uh, you know, uh, a grandfatherly figure, and he says, "You know, it's your time now." And he's talking about her grandmother. And I came face to face with the fact that my grandmother's no longer here. My grandmother went to residential schools, and and I was mortified that I didn't get some of these things because my grandmother, you know, fled the reservation. So I got this feeling of being you know, excluded while also being included. It's, an, it's, an, it's a very, very wonderful uh, double-sided coin type of story. It's just a beautiful job. Okay. Well, folks, we are talking movies today, Academy Awards coming up this Sunday, and we've got a couple of journalists on our show today, Vince Schilling and Charlie Perry. They're giving us their fresh takes on what's happening in the native film industry, as well as what's happening there in Hollywood, Tinseltown, Oscars coming up soon. If you've got a a question or a comment for the show, please do not hesitate to give us a holler. 1-800-996-2848 is the number to call. You're listening again to Native America Calling, and we'll be back right after this short break. A permanent solution for storing radioactive nuclear waste remains elusive. In the meantime, tons of waste are being stored temporarily at dozens of sites around the country. Many of them are near established Native land. We'll take a look at how tribes are working to keep their citizens safe on the next Native America Calling. Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. You're tuned in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What are the films from the past year you think deserve recognition? What Native films are you itching to see? We're talking movies today. Give us a call to share your comments on the air. 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Should I say it again? 1-800-996-2848. That's the number to call. Charlie, let's talk a little bit about these Academy Awards coming up on Sunday. As mentioned, no Native films or talent being recognized, but are there any performances that are up for awards that you're paying attention to? Well, you, you know, Sean, there are a couple good movies out there that I'm, that I'm excited about. You know, one is uh, King Richard. Um, 
actors in a leading role that I really like. I really like Andrew Garfield. You know, obviously, um, the closest thing to probably what we're doing would be Power of the Dog, just because that's kind of set in a rural area, you know, kind of a Western. Um, so I'm excited to actually watch that one. It's been a little bit bu- busy lately, but I'd like to check that one out as well. But yeah, there's there's some good movies out there for sure this year. But again, you know, if we just keep pushing, there's a lot of awesome indigenous films out there as well that could easily make it to the Oscars. You know, I, I look at, you know, what Vincent was saying with Long Line of Ladies. That's one right there that would be perfect. You know, and it, and like Vincent said, it all comes back to our cultures. You know, we have over 570 unique tribes who all have, you know, uh, different um, cultures and things that they can add to, you know, what it is to collectively be an indigenous person in America today. So I think people are really starting to see that. I think so, too. Yeah, for sure. And um, a- any other specific uh, Native films that, that you're keeping an eye on coming up this year? Well, you know, um, when Vincent was talking about uh, Long Line of Ladies, it actually reminded me of a, uh, of a short, a documentary short that came out uh, about two years back, actually. It's called Othero Khan uh, Under the Hook. And that's kind of a coming of age story of two Mohawk girls as they take part in their traditional uh, passage rights to become Mohawk women. So if you're into Long Line of Ladies, I totally suggest. Uh, taking a look at O'Hara, Khan Under the Husk. Um, you know, Sean, I'm kind of a big TV guy. Um, you know, I'm really excited about uh, what a lot of these television shows have been able to do through the streaming medium the last couple of years. I mean, you look back a few weeks ago, Reservation Dodge just took down Best Ensemble Cast, you, you know, at the 2022 Film Independent Spirit Awards. So, you know, that's a big win to gain traction. You know, you have Echo coming out, starring Alqua Cox, you know, who's a Mahison and a Menominee Nation tribal member. And, you know, Sydney Friedland, who's Danae, she just got tapped to be the director of that. So, you know, it looks like even Disney and their properties are really starting to kind of dip their toe into the water, so to speak, a little more when it comes to indigenous film and media. So. You know, I'm really excited about what we're doing in the streaming space because I think that's really opening up a lot of doors for up-and-coming independent uh, Indigenous filmmakers to kind of get in something um, where they can work with the budget, um, you know, put it out there for television to new audiences, and then hopefully parlay that um, into a feature film. And we're seeing that more and more. And, you know, Sydney Friedland is just an amazing example of that, going from you know, an independent filmmaker with Drugtown's Finest at Sundance doing what she's doing nowadays, working on multiple television shows in Hollywood. You know, that's just uh, that's the dream, I think, for all of us indigenous filmmakers. So, you know, we definitely have leaders out here laying the groundwork for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Reservation Dogs, because I know both Reservation Dogs and Rutherford Falls have been renewed for another season. Do you know when those season two premieres will, will come out later this year? Any any idea? Yeah, you know, Rutherford Falls season two is planted for a 2022 uh, pr- you know, premiere at some point. Um, you know, that's going to be on Peacock again as well. Um, I believe they're finishing up production with it. Um, you know, and when it comes to Reservation Dogs, they're currently in production for season two. 
Um, and then, you know, Sterling Harjo's making some great waves, too. I believe he was just signed to CAA, which is a big uh, talent agency out here in Los Angeles as well, too. So that'll be good, um, you know, for his portfolio and career. But, yeah, they're they're looking like both of those shows will be out here pretty soon, you know. And, and when it comes to, like, Marvel's Echo, um, I believe they're finishing writing the script right now. So we're looking for probably a 2023 premiere for that one. Okay. And Charlie, you mentioned streaming and how it's opening up all these opportunities for native filmmakers and talent. And, and I'll tell you, COVID really did it for me in theaters. I, I haven't been back to a movie theater since the lockdown started two years ago. And I, I kind of feel in the dark a little bit, but I do enjoy being able to access so much content through streaming. So uh, I'm curious though, Charlie. What's your what's your thought on the whole like streaming versus theater debate? How do you prefer to watch film specifically? You know, Sean, I always love going to the theater with my grandma and grandpa back coming up, and you know, I, I still love to go to the theater to this day. But you know, like you said, things have changed drastically since uh, March of 2020. But I think a lot of um, you know, a lot of filmmakers have done a great job pivoting the streaming. And, you know, one community in particular is, you know, our community of indigenous people, um, you know, just embracing streaming. I think that that's kind of where it's at. Um, so many people nowadays, uh, they're getting off work, they're tired, they want to come home and kick back in their favorite recliner and, you know, have some popcorn that doesn't cost 15 bucks. So, you know, you have that advantage, you save a little bit of money by staying at home and, you know, the way things are with the economy right now, things are becoming more and more pricey uh, currently. Hopefully that goes back down. But until then, it just seems a little bit more cost effective. And, you know, with COVID still lingering around, hanging over our heads, you know, kind of play it safe and just hang out at home with the family. So, you know, I, I think um, I really think streaming is here and now. I think it's been here for probably the last, I'd say, five to seven years. And really, I really feel like within the next 10 years, um, unless movie theaters really can offer some new bells and whistles to attract those audiences back, I think I think we're headed for, uh, uh, you know, more of a more streaming in the future. It sure seems that way. And, and I do like some of the amenities of a theater. You know, the assigned seating is cool. These reclining chairs, they're a lot more comfortable than those old, old velvet seat backs from back in the day. Uh, refreshments are definitely fancier, but those prices, oh boy, I can't deal with paying 20 bucks for a bucket of popcorn and a hot dog. Vince, how about you? Uh, streaming versus theater, what's your thought on that debate? I, I, I love both, honestly. You know, and real quick, I got I to gotta give uh, Charlie some props for just busting out with a bunch of knowledge on it. He did a good job. <laughs> He's like, good yeah, job, did. Man. Uh, but I want, I do want to mention two quick notes is, uh, keep your eyes out, folks, for our flag means death, uh, death uh, by Taika Waititi. Uh, Gary Farmer's in one of the episodes and is freaking hilarious. And DMZ with Rosario Dawson, who is who's claimed to have some Native heritage, is, is a DC graphic novel. Uh, those are two new shows coming out, which are uh, – I saw some of the DMZ pretty awesome and saw some of the flag means death, which are uh, – had some hilarious moments. But – as far as a theater, I think it's wonderful. I'd like to go. I haven't been back either. Uh, you know, I'm still just being really, really cautious because I have a lot of elders in my family. And I, want, I don't even want to get any little bug that could, 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 could get them. So, you know, I'm still a little gun shy. But I think the biggest thing that studios 
you know, need to be aware of, at least in my opinion, is why stop the video on demand? I get it, the whole new world, but don't cut it off completely because on Twitter and on social media, I have a lot of friends with some uh, serious disabilities and things that they talk about in terms of agoraphobia and being afraid. And they said how in a lot of ways the world of COVID has helped them reach out to the public more and more because a lot more people are more open to it being inclusive online, and it's really helped them. So I really hope that filmmakers and film theaters and uh, the film industry doesn't think that let's go back completely to the way it was before. I think we need to continue this video on demand and, and access to online communities because it's not right. going to go away. And I think the, the ones that embrace it are going to do better. Yeah, and it just seems like old habits die hard, and, and some of these big uh, film studios are just trying so hard to keep what I think we would all agree is becoming a very outdated business model. But yeah, they're definitely trying to get us back in those seats for sure, as opposed to just watching shows from, from the comfort of our living rooms. We have a caller on the line. Her name is Elizabeth. She's listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Elizabeth, you're on Native America Calling. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Well, I would love everyone to know that there is an opportunity to stream an exciting new Native film that will be released in the summer. Um, over the winter, I had the honor of participating in a film production, which was is supported by the Indigenous programs of the Sundance Film Institute. And this is a project uh, spearheaded by writer and director Keanu Jones. And I believe all of the producers are also Native people. And I and another gentleman are one of a handful of non-Native people who got to work on the project. The name of the film is Liberty of Jewels. And I'll say that again, it's Liberty of of Jewels. It stars Ernest David Sotsi. Um, I don't think I need to introduce him, but um, he plays the main character, and I and Tim Blomquist uh, play people in his life who are making it pretty unbearable. The message of the story is how the uh, colonization, if you will, of Native American art and the exploitation that happens inherently is damaging Native communities and relationships. And um, it was shot in Gallup, Gallup, New Mexico, at the Yazzie um, Trading Post. And I hope everyone will go to the Indiegogo page and look for Liberty of Jewels, and you can purchase a ticket, also known as a link, for ten dollars and see this wonderful production that's going to be released in the summer. Well, Elizabeth, thank you for that information. Sounds like an interesting film. And Vince, uh, Sundance. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I, I know they have a new Indigenous program, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, let's let's give it up for Adam Adam Perone. Uh, you know who is. Has he's been in, in, involved with uh, Sundance for quite some time, but he took the space of uh, Enberg Running Water, who has gone on to do some wonderful things with Amazon and Amazon Studios. I'm excited for both of these guys. But uh, Anna Peronza, he's longtime staff member 
through the Institute's Indigenous Program. So he's just been named director of the Indigenous Program. So those uh, Native filmmakers out there, you know, who are interested in in reaching out to the Sundance Institute, uh, that's a good name to know. Adam Perron, P-I-R-O-N, Ewan Mohawk. And, um, you know, he essentially leads engagement and investment in Indigenous storytellers all over. So, um, but the Indigenous program at Sundance, there there is a big Indigenous film circle. I mean, we're talking like four generations of the cycle of work, you know, of scouting and identifying Indigenous artists and, uh, artists and you know, a year, literally year-round support system for uh, from the Institute to help um, Indigenous artists. I have to give Sundance a huge, huge shout-out for the work that they do. You know, every time I've attended, uh, and I've done it virtually for the past several years, you know, everything is is a, a, a hat tip to indigeneity. You know, every single solitary segment, every program, every film, every bit starts out with a lengthy, you know, uh, land acknowledgement to the to, to the lands of, of the native people before it, and you know, it's it's just a wonderful program. So I'm excited for. Uh, Anna Perone to do some wonderful things. I'm going to be interviewing him later this week, and you know, um, just just hats off to the Sundance program because they've done some wonderful, wonderful stuff over the years, and 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 are going to continue to do so. You know, remember remember Wild Indian with Michael Greyhawks. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Michael Grey Eyes, and and uh, you know, just a wonderful film, and uh, just just some beautiful stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that you're going back a few years there with Michael Grey Eyes for sure. Vince, what got you into movies? Have you always been a film buff? Oh my! Are you kidding? I, I, mean, <laughs> I, I remember. I remember. I mean, just forever, you know, going to movies and just being this little nerdy dude who is either either reading comics or going to movies. And I, you know, I have to give myself credit for this year is the first time I will tell you there is a category writing an adapted screenplay in the Oscars where I've literally seen every movie. I don't think that's ever happened before. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and I mean, uh, and visual effects, which has Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang Chi: The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider Man: No Way Home. I've seen all the films. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're I, hardcore. I, I've always, yes, I've always wanted to be the the kid with the superpowers, or you know, uh, we're going back to you know, uh, way way back to to you know. Um, you know, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom to all kinds of stuff like that. And just, just, I've always loved movies. It's another world, another place to be, uh, and then just a celebration of just like watching things happen that uh, you can't imagine how they could have done it or how the filmmaker could have put this together. Or, you know, the ori- I saw the original Star Wars in theaters, you know, that type of stuff. So I've always just enjoyed movies so incredibly, so, so much. And that's yeah. why I've I've spent so much time trying to uh, to write about them and talk about them and enjoy them. That being swept away to another world is is really something amazing. Charlie, how about you? What what got you fired up about films and television? Well, my grandma she used to love going the blockbuster when I was a kid, and I'd always tag along, of course, and hang around the video game section. This was back when you could actually play the game system on the little. Uh, TV they had there and you know I would just walk around with her we'd get lost in Blockbuster we'd end up you know spending an hour and a half two hours just walking around and you know picking up the titles and there was just something about you you know looking at the back of a VHS right off the shelf and 
I think that's kind of where my love of movies started. It started uh, through the relationship with my grandma and my grandpa. You know, me and my grandpa would sit down on Saturday nights and, you know, we'd watch HBO, Tales from the Crypt, back when I was a little kid. And yeah, I think that just <laughs> built over time for me, you know. I, I, I used to yeah. love it because I knew that if we went to Blockbuster, we'd get some pizza. So, I mean, and <laughs> now, now I'm making movies myself. So, hey, <laughs> that's pretty good. We're we're going old school here. Yeah, so Tales from the Crypt and, and Blockbuster Video. Those were the days just spending three hours roaming the aisles of Blockbuster and, and trying to pick a couple of good movies to take home with for the evening and order a pizza or something like that. Folks, again, please give us a call. We're talking movies. We're talking Academy Awards. We're talking some really cool native TV. 1-800-996-2848. That is your number. Phone lines are open. Give us a holler. We're going to be back right after a short break. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com. Thanks for listening today. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. There is still time to join our conversation about movies. What's on your mind? Actors, directors, producers, films. Who do you like? Who don't you like? Call in and let us know. 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. And we actually have another caller on the line right now. Melvin. He's one of our regulars. He's listening on KZYK in Santee, Nebraska. Melvin, you're on Native America Calling. Well, good morning. Uh, it's the show. It's really I like it so much because in recent years we see more red faces playing red faces, you know, playing natives, you know, from all tribes, and that is so great, you know documentaries that are coming out. I'm proud of all these young people stepping up and uh, showing what the world who we are. You know, I really, I, I'm real proud of all, all those TV, movie. It's pos- so positive now. You know, we're not wearing chicken feathers and You know, Hollywood is very, very responsible for a lot of uh, stereotypes, a lot of racism, and it's changed now. So I'm sure glad these guys are changing it for us. Thank you. Well, Melvin, thank you for for that great call and, and those comments. And and Charlie, I want to ask you, here, here you have uh, Melvin, he's an elder, and he's expressing uh, compliments for the native film industry, uh, red faces, playing red faces, and he gives you folks a lot of credit 
for for changing the way Native people are being uh, projected in both film and television. How does that make you feel, Charlie, to hear someone like like Melvin call in and, and give you props? Well, I just got to give a big a-ho to Uncle Melvin for that because you just broke down my college education in two minutes. <laughs> So thank you for that. I I really appreciate that. And thank you for your wisdom and and kind words. You know, we're just out here trying to build on the progress that um, Elder Melvin has made, you know, throughout the years. And and those have come before us. You know, we stand on the shoulders, you know, of those who had to go through it a lot worse than we did. You know, I mean, the 60s, 70s, the boarding school era, civil rights, you know, we could talk all that, the whole episode in itself. But you know, I just think that as long as we have that seed planted, which we do, and we continue to build on this momentum as Indigenous people and mobilize together, you know, I think we're going to make big waves, you know, in these next few years and for, you know, many years to come. Uh, Americans today, you know, especially with COVID these last few years, they're, they're you know, they want something different. You know, they've watched the same content over and over again. It's the same thing. They've eaten the same foods over and over again. They're really thirsting for something new. And with indigenous cinema and media, that provides something brand new to so many demographics within America. That's why I think you have such a success with Reservation Dogs, our Rough and Deferred Falls, our, you know, some of our recent films is because you know, Americans are finally sitting down and they're like, you know, I do want to learn about this history. I do want to learn about these unique cultures. And, you know, I want to learn how things were before colonialization, you know, or what indigenous people can offer today. So, you know, I think we're at a great spot where a lot of great progress can be done. For sure. For sure. Vince, uh, early Charlie Earlier, Charlie gave us a, an update on, on, on some of these television shows, Reservation Dogs, Rutherford Falls, and um, Yellowstone is, you know, that's a really popular show right now. I filmed in Montana, a lot of natives on the cast. Are you a fan, Vince, Yellowstone? Yeah, they did a nice job. You know, I've interviewed many of the actors on there, including uh, Gil Birmingham, who plays the chairman of Broken Rock, as well as Taylor Sheridan uh, when he was doing uh, Wind River and and um you know it's they, they've done um a good job of addressing some of the real uh troublesome native issues that do take place on native reservations you know that ominous white van that's driving through and which uh, another terrifying concept you know um but it, it's nice to see that in as much as the 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 series is about you know kevin costner's family and and you know the non-native family as the main thread it still delves into fearlessly of those native issues that that affect us so greatly you know and indian country and um Mm -hmm. you know so so i applaud them for that i applaud them for for not shying away from some of the genuine issues that do come up between you know uh residents of the reservation of course and and residents of of those communities that lie outside the reservation that aren't native it's really nice Nice to see some of those genuine interactions. You know, it's still it's still a dramatic television. You know, in in a lot of ways too. But uh, right. You know, but I do also <laughs> want to say thank you for Melvin's comments as well. I, I felt very honored by, by his comments. So I just wanted to recognize him and thank you. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I agree with you that you know, they do do a good job of addressing some of these um, issues that are, are facing contemporary Native communities. But it's a little over the top sometimes, Yellowstone, you know, like the Old West style shootouts in downtown Helena. And I spent a lot of time up in Montana. I even know the former attorney general. Uh, his name's Tim Fox, and he's not anything and his office isn't anything like that character who plays the Montana AG on the show. So sometimes that show is just a little over the top. But but for sure, I just you know, it's just great to see see those issues addressed, like you say. Absolutely. Uh, we have another caller on the line. His name is Michael, and he's listening on KUNM in Jemez Pueblo, New Mexico. Michael, you're on Native America Calling. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, my my interest in movies went was, so it went way back into black and white. When I'm black and white with my mom, my mom's the one that used to uh, really like the movies, especially the real old ones with uh, Grady Garbo, uh, Clark Gable, and uh, like uh, all those guys and, and 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 women and actors, actors. And she would even tell me, "Oh, that's that's his name is uh, Johnny Weissmuller. He's playing Tarzan." And then you know all these names were thrown at me and for some reason it stuck it stuck to me i i know all these names like right now when they show all these black and white movies even like on grit the old western movies you know and then when i saw the scene the western movies during covid i said oh, and i look at the feathers and i say oh those are real eagle feathers and those, and those are the fake you know and then you know and, and that's a they're using real natives and then they're using, they're using non-natives and you know it's and i got my children into that I, my children, they're all, they're almost all, all of them are full grown and married. But uh, they, I got them into film. My, you know, uh, my, uh, my, my, little, my two youngest daughters would say, would tell my, would tell me, say, oh, that's that's what that's uh, their brother's name is Jared. Oh, that's Jared. He's in the back room watching Power Highway. He watches Power Highway all the time. He's hooked on it. I don't. And I said, well, you know, <laughs> there's a lot to learn about Power Highway. I told him, I told him because we've all we watched these all those the native movies together also and when they, when they were out in the in the theaters and I would explain different things and and how we grew up and and you know and when we get together like at feast time christmas time easter time and we'd all gather and we bring up all these uh, different movies and we laugh and we quote and then I see their spouses they weren't they weren't they weren't brought up this way so I kind of feel bad for them but at the same time you know it, it, it's it's awesome when you can you can sit and walk and be carried away, you know, like with uh, with uh, like with, with West Studi and Adam Beach. I met Adam Beach and uh, and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips here in Albuquerque at some new meet and greets. But you know, it's it's awesome to be, you know, your your name record, the name name recognition, and the storylines. And like I said, to when you have your kids or grandkids, because my grandkids, my. Uh, my kids are raising their raising their grandkids with movies that we've watched. So you know, it's it's all in the mm -hmm. family, and it's it's a it's a love fest. Michael, thank you. It, it is a love fest, and that's one of the great things about television and and movies is how they can bring people together, families together, couples together. That's that's what I like. Just on a Friday night, uh, my wife and my daughter and I, we just cozy up on the couch and, and stream something or, or watch an old DVD, and it's just just good times for sure. Um, Vince, my, Michael talks about some of the, you know, these old movies, old Westerns, and, uh, seems like we've come a long ways since those days, especially with regard to cultural references and how native people are portrayed in films. Um, 
How is the native film industry evolving? What, what's your take on that? Wow, you know, God, that's such a Michael brings up such great points because I think back to, geez, maybe it was I don't even I'm not even sure ten years ago, maybe a little less, when Lauren Anthony called my wife and I tell us that they had walked off the set of The Ridiculous Six because they were being really disrespectful to Native actors there, painting their skin darker, uh, really, really, really offensive jokes. And and uh, the producers were like, well, what are you going to do about it? And then, as you know, that, that story went viral, literally worldwide. And I think in a lot of ways that had a huge effect on the industry. And then you have Neil Diamond's, you know, real Indian, R-E-E-L, Indian, uh, that, that talks about Natives in the film industry. So, um, and, and, and to think that in these black and white films and these films of the, the Westerns previously where Native characters, Native Americans were, were not always Native, and they were literally subjected to paint downs, which were actual red paint painted on these people. You know, and to think now what's going on with season two of Rutherford Falls just wrapping by Sierra Tella Ornelas with a writer's, Native writer's room and all these things happening – it's just such a miraculous, miraculous difference uh, of what has happened over over even the past decade. You know, they, they cannot do the same things that they're doing anymore. You know, people are calling out, and, and I believe a massive, massive part of this is social media. Bad actors, not meaning actual actors, but bad actors in the industry are getting called out immediately. And people are learning that, look, we can't get away with what we used to get away with because people are going to say that is not acceptable. And, and, and social media can make or break a film. So people are listening, so keep it up, folks. And I'll tell Michael one thing. I'll tell you what you need to look up, my friend, is Pow Wow Highway, the Lego movie. It was <laughs> in the Native American Film Festival, and it's, it's a Lego movie that the Oshing School in Millox, Minnesota did, and as director uh, Jonathan Thunder. Powell Highway, the Lego movie. It's a short. It is awesome. You got to check it out. <laughs> we're we're going to have to all check that out. That sounds like a real winner for sure. We've got time for, for one more caller. Tom, listening on Keeley in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Tom, you're on Native America Calling. Okay. Hey, Coco. First of all, I say hi, y'all. The question I have is in your future projects, uh, would you have any kind of like indigenous uh, tongue or native tongues, I should say, uh, in your in your future projects, uh, such as like the one we had here, like uh, 1990, we had Dances with the World. Um, they used a lot of our, our our Lakota tongue in there, and it was cool. It was awesome. And from there, everybody knows what many Wachoni means now. So not just from that movie, but from the the Ojeti Shakoi camp they had up in uh, North Dakota. So that was just my question to see if any kind of project you had in the future to where you will use a, a, a native tongue. Uh, okay. Uh, for that. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom, for calling in. Uh, Vince, any native language films coming up uh, later this year? Well, actually, yes. I mean, it, it, it already came out that I saw, but it's still going to be hitting some theaters. And I really su- suggested highly is Night Raiders uh, with El Maya Tellfeathers. Um, it, it, it's an incredible uh, film written and directed by Saskatchewan-born uh, Cree Métis filmmaker uh, Dennis Goulet. And, and um, 
it is executive produced by Taika Waititi, but it's about the world um, of of the future where children, all children, are taken by the government, and it's about fighting fighting against this. And there is a lot of native language in this film, and it's just an absolute incredible. It's called Night Raiders with Elmaya Tellfeathers, uh, Brooks and Latexia Hart, and director and writer Dennis Goulet. It's 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 an incredible film. I would I would strongly recommend it. Check it out because there's quite a bit of language in this film. That's it's really it just it's just a beautiful film. I loved loved it. Okay. Uh, also, Killers of the Flower Moon, produced and directed by Martin Scorsese. It's got a A-list talent, uh, talented cast. I know Robert De Niro's in it, Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's this Western crime drama about the Osage murders that occurred in the 1920s after oil was discovered on their lands. And uh, Lily Gladstone, the, the actress from Browning, Montana, who we mentioned earlier, she's one of the leads. And Vince, we are going to have to wrap up the show here in just a minute. But do you know, is there native language in uh, Killers of the Flower Moon that's coming out later this year? Well, I don't know. I'm going to be talking to Tatanka Means, who is also in it, and he he got to work right there with with Robert De Niro, Leonardo. I'm like, really, 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 Tatanka? He's like, yeah, man. So he's giving an interview later. I do not know, but I would suspect strongly that there is, because uh, according to Tatanka, and, and a little bit he did tell me, is the the filmmakers were very very receptive to um, what the native actors. Uh, were suggesting and talking about, so I would imagine absolutely there there would be that 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 is my guest uh, best guess without knowing. Okay, well, it's got a two hundred million dollar budget, reportedly the most expensive movie ever made in Oklahoma. So with some of that money, I would hope they could uh, hire some good native language consultants to work on that film. Well, unfortunately, folks, we're out of time for today's show. So that's going to be a wrap. But before we go, let me thank guests Vincent Schilling and Charlie Perry for some great takes on Native Hollywood and this Sunday's 94th Annual Academy Awards. We are back live tomorrow talking about how tribes are affected by the inability to find a permanent solution for storing radioactive nuclear waste. I'm Sean Spruce. You've been listening to the one, the only Native America Calling. Thank you for listening. with a disability and feel you have not been able to access services for you or a loved one? The Native American Disability Law Center can help. The Native American Disability Law Center is a not-for-profit 501c3, and there is no charge for this help. More info at 800-862-7271 or nativedisabilitylaw.org. Who support this show?
Looking to get your high school diploma? Southwestern Indian Polytechnic Institute offers Native Americans ages 18 or older training and preparation courses for the high school equivalency diploma, in person and online beginning May 4th. All attendance and testing fees for this program are waived, and resources will be available to help with supplies and living expenses. Space is limited. Application deadline is April 8th. More by calling 505-382-4287 or at sipi.edu who support this show. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanek Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.